Oh, hey there. How's it going, eh? Welcome to Harvey's Huddle. I'm Jackson Harvey. I'm so excited for this episode. It's a special episode. We are going to be talking about the Canadian Football League. The CFL is slated to start on August 5th, officially. Um, they're going to have a 14-game regular season, and we'll talk about why that's different than <laughs> their regular seasons in the past. Now, the CFL, obviously, it's it's all belonging to the friends up north, the Canadians. Um, they've got nine teams in their league at the moment, stretching from Vancouver, BC to uh, Montreal, Quebec. So we've got got a lot to talk about. It's rich history with the CFL, so I'm going to go over some of the history behind it um, and some of the differences in rules and what that means for the game. I know there's not a lot of coverage of the CFL down south in, in the USA, but I think it's still interesting to go over and a good uh, a good game to talk about and something that we can uh, look forward to, and you'll see why I love this game so much. So Canadian football started with what was known as rugby football in the 1860s and officially became a sort of group with the Canadian Rugby Football Union being formed in 1884. Um, now, eventually, in 1909, the Governor-General, which is the government head of Canada, uh, his name was Earl Grey, he donated a trophy for the league champion, later known as the quote-unquote Grey Cup. Uh, it's still known as the Grey Cup today, and players still compete it's it is the super bowl of the cfl is the gray cup game usually in november this season it's going to be in december in hamilton ontario uh, eventually there was a few amateur leagues that sprung up uh, from the canadian football council and they formed the cfl in 1958 in 1958 to 1981, you had nine teams that existed. It was BC Lions, the Calgary Stampeders, the Edmonton Eskimos, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, which there were two teams in Hamilton. One was the Hamilton Tigers, and one was named after the Flying Wildcats, um, a group of bombers in World War II, and they formed together to make the Tiger Cats still Hamilton Tiger Cats to this day. Uh, you had the Toronto Argonauts, the Ottawa Rough Riders, and the Montreal Alouettes. Now, the Montreal Alouettes, they folded in 1981, and then they became the Concords uh, later on, and then they renamed themselves the Owls, and then they folded again, and that made eight teams exist in the CFL for a good amount of time. Now, if you didn't know, the CFL had a point where they expanded into the United States. In 1993, the Sacramento Gold Miners uh, became the first American team to play Canadian football. Uh, and then in 1994, you had the Las Vegas Posse, the Baltimore Stallions, and the Shreveport Pirates. And in 1995, the U.S. teams formed the South P Division of the CFL with the addition of the Birmingham Barracudas and the Memphis Mad Dogs. 
So that, if my math is correct, brought the amount of teams up to 14. You had a West Division, you had an East Division, and you had the newly formed South Division. Now, the in 1995 as well, you had the Posse Fold, so that brought them down to 13 teams in the CFL, and the Sacramento Gold Miners moved to San Antonio, Texas. But the Baltimore Stallions ended up winning the cup in 1995 and only their second year of existence. So they went on and won the Grey Cup in the 95 season. Um, now, in the Canadian Football League, there's a certain quota that you have to meet of Canadian players. Uh, they call them national players. That's that's sort of the lingo. If you hear that, if you're ever watching a CFL broadcast and you hear, oh, this is a national player, they're Canadian and you have to have a certain amount of Canadian players on the field at one time and a certain amount of Canadian players on your roster. Now, these American teams were not forced to follow that Canadian player quota, which proved to be um, kind of beneficial for the Stallions, but not for anyone else. The Baltimore Stallions ended up being the only real competition that came out of these American teams, and... Once the Baltimore Ravens uh, were instated in the NFL and the CFL just didn't have a lot of competition coming from the other five teams in America, the CFL was forced to remove all the American teams due to the inconsistent play and the financial issues surrounding all of them. And, of course the Ravens were stealing a lot of the revenue from the Baltimore Stallions, even though the Stallions were quite the successful team. However, the Stallions, they did not just fold. They went back to Montreal, and they rebooted the Owls franchise, uh, the Alouettes franchise. Now, after that, we had Ottawa. The Ottawa Rough Riders, they folded in 1996, and Winnipeg again moved to the East Division. Um, so... We found ourselves with eight teams again. Ottawa is actually a pretty interesting franchise in the CFL. Uh, the Renegades, they expanded into the CFL in 2002, but they quickly folded in 2006 after some financial issues as well. And finally, the Ottawa Red Blacks, that is their name, Red Blacks, um, they expanded in 2014 and they're still playing to this day. Uh, they've won a great cup or two since that expansion happened almost 10 years ago. Now, fast forward to what is known as CFL 2.0. That's kind of the era we're in right now. Um, there were efforts to reach out, and there still are, to reach out to more international partners. And this is spearheaded by the current commissioner of the CFL, Randy Ambrosi. Now, the first kind of step was an international combine being held in Mexico in 2019. Um, that was kind of the first real reach out to international players that we've seen since the failed expansion in America. Um, but also players from the German Football League and the Federation Francaise de Football American uh, were invited to the National Camp Combine in Canada as well. So that's the the German Football League and the French Football League. And then 
there was an international draft just held um, this past season, this past uh, like three months ago, 2021. Now, Pro-American Football League of Mexico was the first to partner with the CFL. Um, kind of their main partnership was player development. And then leagues from 13 or 14 different countries are partnered now, including Austria, uh, the Nordic countries, and Italy. And finally, in February 2020, right before the pandemic began, Japan's uh, X-League which is widely known as the third most popular professional football league in the world, uh, partnered with the CFL. So that was a huge partnership that we didn't really get to see the fruits of because the pandemic completely shut down the CFL season last year. Now, COVID brought the CFL to the brink of almost having to fold um, the federal government in Canada would not allow any sort of grants to allow any season to happen. And the CFL really relies financially on players being in stadiums, um, being able to watch the games, and there was just nothing that they could do uh, to be able to make that happen with the pandemic raging on. Uh, in March of this year, you might have seen that the XFL... Uh, with Commissioner or President uh, Dwayne Johnson, who used to play for the Calgary Stampeders uh, for a year or two. They were talking about future uh, collaboration possibilities with the CFL, but just a few days ago, uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi announced that the XFL and the CFL will not be pursuing a merger or any sort of collaboration Um at this time and that the CFL is going to focus on their start date coming August 5th. Now the CFL is a very different game. It is, it is a very different game of football. Usually you got an 18 game season, a regular season with six teams making the playoffs three from each division. So you got the West division and you have the East division uh, each week, I believe there's two teams or one. No, each week there's one team that has a bye. So one team isn't playing because you've got nine teams and you can't schedule a three-team game. <laughs> um, so you've got six teams from these nine teams that make the playoffs. I believe there's, there is, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. There's five teams in the West Division and four teams in the East Division. Now, the interesting thing about playoff time in the CFL is that there's something called the crossover. With the crossover, if you're in... So, the top three teams in each division make the playoffs. Now, if there's a fourth-place team, let's say in the West Division, and the fourth-place team in the West Division has a better record than the third-place team in the East Division, that fourth-place team in the West Division will take that East Division spot, the East Division playoff spot. So it's kind of a way to make sure that the best teams are going to be in the playoffs. Um, I believe this happened not too long ago. The last CFL season in 2019, the Edmonton Eskimos, I want to say, made the crossover and were able to take on uh, the East Division in the playoffs and I believe they almost made the uh, Grey Cup as well. They made the Eastern Conference Finals, and 
I believe they, uh, I believe they lost. I'd have to check on that. That's just from my memory. That's just me spitting right now. The differences don't stop there, however. So in terms of like logistics, the football field with uh, the CFL is 65 yards wide. NFL, you got 53 yards and a third. Uh, it's 110 yards long, but in the NFL, it's 100 yards long. And the end zones are 20 yards long. Unless you're in Toronto, Toronto has 18 yards end zones, which is kind of weird. But uh, in the NFL, all you have are 10-yard end zones. The uprights are also in the front of the end zone. So if you're watching a game and you're confused why the uprights are in the middle of the playing field, that's what it's supposed to do. The last season to play in 2019, there was a, a, <laughs> a string of plays where one of the quarterbacks hit the uprights quite a few times in a row. Um, and if that happens, the ball's dead, and it's a, it, it, nothing else happens. It's just a loss of down, and it's a lost play and a dead play. Uh, now, instead of 11 players on the field, because it's a wider field, you've got 12 players on the field. And... Well, 12 players on the field on one time, so you've got 24 total. And then it's also got kind of a fatter ball. So it's a bigger ball. It's, in my opinion, easier to throw a spiral. Um, but, yeah. And then you've also got a 20-second play clock instead of a 40-second play clock with the NFL. So this allows um, the CFL to kind of move faster. you got to make decisions faster. You can't just lollygag around. Um 20 second play clock at the time the ref blows the play in and you've got to make a decision quickly. There's also some rather interesting three minute warning rules. So in the NFL at the end of the second quarter and the fourth quarter, they have two minute warnings that are blown. Um, in the CFL is three minute warnings and within the three minute warning, Every time a play stops, the clock stops. So the clock doesn't keep running in three minutes uh, in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. Now, with this kind of rule, if it's an incomplete pass, the clock starts at the snap. If it's an incomplete pass or a timeout. If it's just a run or it's it's a player that's downed then the play will start as soon as the ref spots the ball so the ref puts the ball down and then the referee will blow the clock in again and it'll start so if you are wondering if you're watching CFL and it's within the three minute warning there why is the clock stopping and starting and stopping and starting so much well that's what's up and it also it means a lot and we're going to get to that later it it is a big difference and it it leads to a lot of very exciting games um now you've got a jam zone you know usually in the nfl the jam zone is about five yards for defensive backs against wide receivers in the cfl it's only the one yard um and also fumbles fumbles are very interesting if a fumble goes out of bounds um it goes to the last team to touch it so there's frequently uh kind of strategy if there's a fumble near the sidelines to try to just swat it horizontally and get it out of bounds so that you guys can keep the ball or if you're on defense you can get the ball back now with some of the rules as well you got the cfl it has three downs 
not four. And it's the same distance. So you have three downs to get 10 yards or else it's a turnover on downs. Um, that makes for a lot of interesting plays as well. There's also, you'll see, if you're watching the CFL, uh, the defensive players are a yard away from the line of scrimmage. Um, if you're within that yard, you are offside. So there's there's a yard given, and you have to stay outside of that yard mark. There's also waggle motion. It's called waggle, W-A-G-G-L-E. Uh, that's allowed on offense. So you'll see... In the NFL, it's very stagnant. You're allowed one person in motion, and they have to be set before the ball is snapped. In the CFL, most receivers will start 15, 10 yards away from the line of scrimmage, and they'll be running around and moving around, and then they'll be hitting the line of scrimmage right as the ball is snapped. That is called waggle motion. That is allowed. It is crazy. It makes for a lot of electric plays. It makes for a lot of really cool motions that you can do on offense in order to confuse the defense. Um, it also allows for something called crack blocks, which is just basically a slot receiver running down and hitting the corner of the defensive line and pretty much blindsiding them. Um, it, it makes for very, very explosive offensive plays. There's also no fair catch. So on kickoffs or punts, um, there are no fair catches allowed. Instead, there's kind of, there's it's called a five-yard zone. So there's a five-yard zone around each, around the ball, where the ball goes. And if you're on a coverage team, you have to allow five yards around the returner before they touch the ball. If you're within that five yards... Um, when the, the returner initially touches the ball, it's a penalty and it's, it's called no yards. So if, if you're in that five yard, uh, zone when the ball's in the air, so the ball's kicked and it's in the air and you're in that five yard zone and the returner catches it in the air, it's a 15 yard penalty. If it's rolling on the ground and the returner touches it when you're within that five-yard zone, it's a five-yard penalty. So um, it makes for automatic returnable balls or kicks. It makes for very interesting um, punt returns because there's always going to be somewhat of a return. Uh, there's also onside players for punts and for kicks. If you're behind the kicker when the ball is kicked, you are onside and you're allowed to be within that five yard area. However, it's kind of a disadvantage because you have to be behind them when the ball is kicked. Um, and so you're starting at somewhat of a disadvantage. Uh, kicks are allowed at any time. If you have possession of the ball, you're allowed to kick the ball. So if a receiver catches the ball and he's running downfield, you're allowed to just kick it if you want to. And there are some situations where that happens and that is because of a little rule called the rouge. And that is if you're kicking a ball, so let's say you're kicking a field goal and you miss it and it goes out of bounds in the end zone, the kicking team receives one point. Um, same with punts. If you punt the ball and it goes into the end zone and out of bounds in the end zone or, or the player is tackled in the end zone on the kick, 
um, without coming out of the end zone. If he comes out of the end zone and back into the end zone, is obviously a safety. But if the ball goes into the end zone and the player is downed in the end zone, it's also one point for the kicking team. Um, again, that's called the Rouge, which is red in French. So not sure why that's named that way, but that's what it is. Um, so some implications about these rules are, first of all, with the waggle motion, there's not a lot of tight ends in the in the CFL. You will not see a lot of tight end action or even tight ends lined up unless it's an absolute running situation. Uh, about running situations, you see a lot of third down attempts. A lot more third down attempts than you see fourth down attempts in the NFL. And that's because of the one yard uh, buffer zone that's given uh, f- between the line of scrimmage and the defensive players, but also because there's only three downs to go, and if you're third and one, or third and one and a half even, you're just going to load up the offensive line and hope to get a push of some sort. Now, there's also a lot of variations of red zone management because of the 20-yard end zones. Um, a lot of the times in the NFL, when you get into the red zone, your field kind of shrinks a little bit, and you can't pass it as well. But with the 20-yard end zones, there's more than enough room to be running free for the wide receivers, and um, there's more passing happening in those red zones and even within the 10-yard line. Uh, I talked about it before. Every single punt is returned almost. Um, and the special teams coordinator becomes very important. There's plenty, there's at least two or three, which is 33% of uh, NF- or CFL head coaches that were once special teams coordinators. And that's because special teams just ends up being one of the more important uh, coaching positions in the CFL because of all of the implications that come with the punt returns and uh, the no yards penalties. Now, there's generally less of a running game, although most good teams have a good running game. Um, But with three downs, you need a big gain on first down in order to try to make it happen and to avoid um, turning the ball over. So you either need a big running game and a good, good chance to really run the ball well or you need to pass the ball and just pass it constantly which also leads to a lot of really stacked passing numbers in uh, each and every game now the rushing game still is crucial in most spots um, but you'll see a lot of backup quarterbacks come in to rush the ball on third and short and that's just that's just by design. That's the tradition in the CFL. You have the backup quarterback come in and take the take the hits and get to the bottom of the pile, get the first down, and then your first string quarterback comes in. Um, that way, you're not wasting time handing the ball off to to a running back. You're able to just dive forward and take advantage of that one yard gap. Now. There are a lot of fourth quarter comebacks. One of the main slogans in the CFL said by most of the broadcasters and most of the players and most of the coaches is that no lead is safe. Every second counts. Um, One of my favorite moments uh, as a CFL fan is I, I was with my dad and my brother at a Toronto Argonauts game. They were playing... Oh man, it must have been the Calgary Stampeders. 
Um, or the Ottawa Red Blacks, I can't remember. But the Toronto Argonauts were down by 24 at the end of the third quarter, and they ended up winning on the last play of the game. Last play of the game was a touchdown thrown in the corner of the end zone, and we went crazy. It was really neat, but no lead is ever safe. I think Winnipeg one time I watched them um, score about 20 points in a minute and a half, and that's where the those third or three minute warning rules kind of come into play. It allows for more comebacks to happen. It allows for more times for the offense to be able to do something with it. Um, and then you have the large passing game. So we talked about crack, crack blocks or crack blocks already. Uh, there's receivers are right at the speed as soon as they hit the line of scrimmage. They're at full speed, and most of the time the defensive players are having to scramble and try to figure out what to do with that speed that they're showing. So it it ends up being a very exciting game. Um, I'm going to hit you guys with another channel. <laughs> We're going to have a Harvey's Huddle sort of CFL channel that you can check out. Um, I'm going to be talking about the games happening each week and kind of what I'm seeing happening and predict those games as well starting the week of August 5th. So look out for that. It's going to be a Harvey's, Han- Harvey's Huddle Canada uh, channel that we're gonna be we're gonna be focusing on as well. Lots of exciting things happening. Um, let me know what you think about this game. Let me know if you have any questions about the CFL. It is a game and it is a league that I love and I hope will stick around for a long time yet. Um, hit me up on Instagram at Harvey's Huddle on Twitter at Harvey underscore Huddle and yeah, give me any questions. Let me know what you think and. I hope to hear from you soon. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Harvey Tuttle. I'm Jackson Harvey. Take care.